the story of how I became aware of Dr. Olfen, I have a good friend who went back to school and she took a couple of his classes and it completely changed the way she managed her stress in life. And, and since we're all juggling with so much stress, I thought I had got to have this guy on my show. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is a professor of health promotion and is director of the Weber State University Stress Relief Center, where he has been teaching for 21 years. He has presented many classes, seminars, and workshops on stress management and wellness at the national, regional, and community level. He is the author of a college textbook on stress management and two additional best-selling books, Unwind, Seven Principles for a Stress-Free Life, and the world is not a stressful place, stress relief for everyone. Best of all, he has been happily married for 33 years and enjoys four amazing kids and two grandchildren. In his free time, you will find him biking and trail running in the beautiful mountains of Northern Utah, where they currently reside. I am pleased to present Dr. Michael Olpen. Dr. Olpen, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am. Thank you for this, this invitation. Oh, it is an honor to have you on the show. Let's kind of break the ice a little bit. Dr. Open, you had a funny experience at a restaurant not long ago with your boys. Would you mind sharing that with me? <laughs> well, I've always had this, I don't know if I could call it a defect, but I, 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 ever since I can remember, I've looked a lot younger than my age. Um, and so, uh, and I guess I am now technically a senior citizen, <laughs> and I, we were we were at a restaurant, and I, I noticed that there was a um, there was a discount for senior citizens, uh -huh. and I said, "Well, I'm I'm a senior citizen. Can I have that discount?" And, and the the person there said, "You're you're not a senior. No, you can't have the discount. Sorry," <laughs> and my my kids who are with me, they said, really, he is old. He is a lot older than he looks. And I, the, the girl there said, sorry, you're not going to get the discount. He's got to pay full price. <laughs> and, uh, oh, my goodness. Well, there you have it. <laughs> That's a funny story. It's, it's, it's funny how things like that happen. And you do, you have a youthful look to you. So that's good, right? <laughs> I hope so. I sometimes, well, when I was younger, I, I, I couldn't get away with it. I mean, it, it was, I couldn't go to things or I couldn't drive or, or people would say, no, I don't want to date you. You you're still in high school or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Pros and cons, right? Oh, that's fun. So let me ask you this. How in the world did you end up settling on becoming a teacher of 
stress management or wellness and all that stuff. What is the story behind that? <laughs> so it's a long time ago when this started, um, going back 40-ish years. But a uh, couple things really got me interested in, in this direction of more than anything. Uh, I went on a mission for my, for my church. And then when I got back, I got a job at a library in Provo. I lived in Provo, grew up in Provo. And for two years, I fell in love with reading. I fell in love with books. I fell in love with just everything I could. I didn't date. I didn't eat. I just read stuff for about two years. It's an exaggeration, but for two years, I, I, I tried to read as many things. I'd always ask people, what's interesting to you? And there was one group of people who said, there's this, these books on meditation that you should read. Because I we would talk about kind of my interests, their interests, and and they said, you should read these books on meditation. And I, I found them over in the library, and they were in this place that was, nobody ever looked at them. You know, this was <laughs> 1982 to 84, and they were just the dustiest, oldest books. And and I started, I, I pulled them out and I started reading and it was, it was just research study after research study about the benefits of meditation, this particular type of meditation. And, and it was about that time when I was diagnosed with high blood pressure. Mm. And the doctor said to me, you're going to have to be on high blood pressure medication for the rest of your life. And I said, why am I, why do I have high blood pressure? I was pretty active. You know, I tried to eat what I thought was good back at the time. And, but he said, we don't know for sure, but you do have high blood pressure. You probably just chose the wrong parents. <laughs> and Because um, my mom had high blood pressure as well. And so did her parents. And so there was a genetic component there, but they, I, I learned that, stress played a part in high blood pressure. Back then that was not really well known, but I learned that stress played a part. And so I thought, and, and so in these books, they were telling about how if you meditated, it would, there it corrected high blood pressure, it cor corrected hypertension. And I thought, well, that's cool. And then I looked through all the books and it never said how to do it. Oh no. <laughs> like, that's great. Got to go meditate. And I had no idea how. And, and in Provo in 1982, there was no one to turn to. Um, nobody was, that wasn't a thing that people commonly did or even talked about. And so I kind of, uh, I guess I'll have to take the drugs. And soon after that, there was a advertisement in the local newspaper there and um, that told about a guy who was coming through and he was going to tell about meditation. Oh. And I thought, wow, how serendipitous, how serendipitous. I didn't expect that, but here's this guy. And so I went and I had gotten, I was married at the time. My, my wife and I both went to his presentation and he just said everything out, everything that the book said, you know, meditation works for this, 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 and this, all these great things that meditation does to rebalance the body, to put it back in homeostasis. 
And then he said, and if you want to do it, I will teach you and it will cost you a lot of money. Oh. <laughs> I'm a starving co college student. Oh, crud. But I had this feeling inside I should do it. And I, so I, both of us, we found our credit card. We'd never used it. We found our credit card and we paid for it. And so sometime later, we had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with this guy. And uh, he, to make a long story really short about the experience, after I was done that first time meditating, and I had never done anything like that before, but after I was done that first time, it felt so incredibly different mentally, cognitively. I just felt so quiet inside. I had never felt that peaceful, you know, and I had, I'd tried to do peaceful things, you know, prayer and, and contemplating, but the act of meditating, the way he showed us, the way he showed me, it was so dramatic. And I went, oh my goodness, this is the best thing ever. Mm. And we, we had a little conversation afterwards and he said, okay, now just do this every day for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I did. I, 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 from then on, I just, every day, my wife and I both, and my blood pressure normalized and my stress levels kind of, you know, the little angers that I would have kind of subsided. And I thought, this is so cool. And I thought, I'd love to teach this, but it costs way too much money to, to do that, to go on that road. So I thought, I kind of put it on the back burner of teaching it. And then we just practiced it every day along with all the other things. And then later on, I, I, started in my master's degree at BYU in health promotion. Well, they gave me two classes to teach. They said, here, just while you're in your master's degree, teach these two classes. One of them had a curriculum already and the other, they said, there's no curriculum for it. Just teach whatever you want. <laughs> and I thought, wow. So i made it kind of like what my current mind body wellness class is. It was kind of the beginnings of that included meditation. And so it was then that I started teaching it and I just fell in love with teaching. And it was after that, that I went, got my PhD and then I got a teaching job back East. And then I ended up after four years there, we've, we got a job here at Weber state and, and I've been teaching it ever since, um, you know, the, my body wellness, stress management, wellness coaching, kind of, I've taught quite a few of the classes that are in our program, but those are my favorite ones. Yeah. So, and I've taught a lot of groups, community groups, uh, church groups. I've taught, like there was one group here in Utah that they, they were called hypertensives or something. They had a, a name and everyone in there had high blood pressure. And so we would go, I would go weekly and we would just do, we would, I taught him how to meditate. And then weekly we would go and practice every week for just like during the lunch hour. And so I've had a lot, a lot of opportunities to focus on the meditation. And then during that time, I realized that's one tool of 
dozens of tools that seem to work for people to help reduce stress, get us back in balance. And at, once we're there in balance, we tend to heal. Mm. Symptoms tend to go away, like my high blood pressure went away. Wow. That is so amazing, isn't it? That just learning simple techniques can help with so many physical challenges that we have. It shows how much um, probably stress we're all carrying around on our shoulders. And I, I guess as a society, we're, we're not maybe coping as well as we should. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I could probably count on my hands the number of people who don't have more stress than they need. Just about everybody I know has more stress than is useful. Mm. And the, the weird thing about that is the stress that we have comes from how we think about things, how we process things, how we interpret things. And if there's a, a perception of a threat at all, threat, then we, our body just automatically turns on that stress response. And there's no one-to-one -one relationship where the stress will turn into this problem. Hmm. In fact, I would say stress doesn't really cause any of our health problems, except for maybe headaches, where there's a one-to-one, -one, this causes this. Mm -hmm. But I do know for sure that stress makes every health problem worse, hmm. every single one. And the higher your stress level is, and there's been dozens and dozens of studies showing this, as stress level go, levels go up, the immune functioning goes down. It's like a, a perfect inverse relationship. As stress goes up, the immune functioning, the immune power goes down. And so everything that's associated with well-being based on a strong immune system is compromised. Mm when stress goes up. And I mean, that's everything from colds to cancer and everything in between. Wow. So the, the sad news is it's a dangerous reaping culprit. But the good news is when the right tools are applied, it's an easy fix. Hmm. We just have to know what those right tools are and, and then apply them pretty consistently. Absolutely. Well, let, let's we will for sure talk about those tools. But first I thought I would um, kind of bring in some of your personal story into and ask, now I know you've been through several challenging moments in your, your own life. Uh, you have a brother who committed suicide, you uh, mm -hmm. tore your Achilles tendon. Oh my goodness, that just sounds awful. You know, your appendix ruptured and you died while they were operating on you. I mean, these are stressful things. So, so what I'd love to ask you is maybe take one or two of those stories and talk me through the stress management principles you applied mm -hmm. to get through it yourself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. The one with my brother, it's still hard. He, he committed suicide at a young age of 60. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through to have my older brother no longer here. And, you know, I went through so many emotions, anger, 
denial. I mean, the, the Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, I went through all of those. But at some point, uh, like, you know, if you think about those stages, they were exactly what I went through, denial and anger first, then bargaining, then depression. I, I've never been really depressed, but I was sad for a very long time. I still am. And, uh, and I had a lot of support, family and friends. I had to come to a place of acceptance. I had to come to a place of there's nothing I can do that can change the fact that he's gone. And it's easy to, to start imagining, you know, what I could have done differently or what I should have done differently, or um, how could he have done this? How selfish of him, you know, call names, call him names. And, and, and there's all kinds of things that entered my mind at the time of, for whatever reason, I deserve to feel this way about it. And so, you know, my self-talk or my, my ongoing conversation with myself was, uh, if only I would have been there when he needed me, or how could he not have told me that he needed me or something like that. But at some point I had to get to a point of one, he's not in any pain anymore. He had incredible physical pain for years and years, for decades. And he's no longer in physical pain. I have the belief that life doesn't end when we finish this physical body's time. I, I have the belief that he's, he's probably doing just fine. Mm -hmm. And without that physical pain, he's probably happy and enjoying things to a much higher degree than he was here. I mean, I realized all the things that I was saying were very selfish. You know, I don't deserve to feel this way. I don't deserve for him to leave me kinds of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I had to get to a point of just completely accepting that this is what happened. I can't bring him back and I can completely forgive him and forgive me for doing or not doing whatever it was that we did or didn't do that we're making up and just accept. And that was the only way I had inner peace about it mm. was just forgiving and letting it go and accepting. And as soon as I, I mean, that was a process, but as I kept doing it over and over again, that little muscle grew and I, and I got to a point where there's no pain in there now. I don't have any pain about him being gone and the fact that he did it the way he did. It's still a little sad, but I don't have the pain. Does that make sense? Yeah, Nora? it does. It does. I, I noticed several things that you were talking about there as you um, shared this very tender story. That, first of all, thank you for sharing it. Mm -hmm. um, one, it seemed to be that the thoughts that you're thinking had to change almost as far as kind of maybe from a negative cycle to more of a positive 
forgiveness. Um, and, and so my question to you is, I'm sure you didn't do that by yourself, but what role do you feel God plays in that ability to forgive not only yourself, but perhaps your brother in a situation like this? Well, to be really honest, I would have thoughts come to me. No, this way of thinking is not helping think this way over and over and over again. And I don't think that was my own programming. I think it was, if you want to be peaceful, this is a better way to think. And I think it was entirely God, God's spirit, however you want to call that, that was helping me get through that with the, with the consistent similar messaging. Let it go. Just let it go. Forgive. Let him go. He's happy kind of thing. So I think it was entirely a result of God's influence on my, I, I, I've always felt like God influences my thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm alone in my thinking patterns. I think that there's a connection between God's spirit and my mind. And when I, when I let that happen, that's when those good, those life affirming, those peace inducing messages happen. Does that make sense? Yes, it really does. I'm going to kind of draw back to what you were originally saying about meditation. Do you feel that meditation helps you quiet your mind enough to hear those positive affirmations? Oh, I wish I could tell you stories after stories after stories about, because I'm a stronger believer in prayer. Mm -hmm. But when I meditate prior to prayer, my prayers, mostly in the listening side, are just exponentially more powerful. I mean, that I often look at our thoughts as kind of like a hive of bees, mm -hmm. right? Our thoughts are just, and we actually do a type of meditation in one of the classes I used to, where you close your eyes and then you kind of pull up a chair and watch your thoughts because you're not your thoughts. You are having thoughts. Mm. We, we, we think we're, we're our thoughts, but when you, you can separate out and just watch your thoughts. And so, and when we used to do this in class, we, we do it. And as you watch your thoughts, it's an interesting thing. They kind of settle. One of the things that people will always say, and I, I say the same thing for myself is, our thoughts are completely out of control. They're like those bees that are just coming in and going. And it, But when we watch them, we recognize how out of control they are. When we meditate, it's like those bees just kind of go back into the hive. And what's left is quietness. And so when we are quiet, that's when I think that connection between us and God's light illuminate. Because when we're busy thinking so much, there's no room for those messages to get through. Mm -hmm. And so when we, we kind of open up gaps and in those gaps, that's when his 
insights, inspiration, whatever you want to call it, profoundly. I remember one occasion, just to give an example, I, and I didn't try to make this happen, but I was, I was in my, my room and I had, I was just sitting in my chair and I was meditating and it was the, the coolest thing. I was just sitting there doing my daily meditation and it was like suddenly, and well, let me preface this just a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was a, I was supposed to give a speech somewhere and I have no, I don't even remember where this was I was going to speak but I, I remember I had to speak to a group of people about something and I had no idea what I was going to talk about. Mm -hmm. None, nothing was coming to me. No, just, I, I mean, I had, I did, tried to take some notes and it didn't fit. And so I just kind of let it go. I started meditating, not intending for this to happen, not even thinking about this peripherally. But I sat down and then it was like, after about five minutes of just doing my, my, my usual meditation, beginning to end and everything in between just flooded into my head. It was just like, now this, now this, now you talk about this, now you talk about that. And I quickly turned the light on and wrote everything down <laughs> as fast as I could because it was just coming like a, like a download. Mm -hmm. and and I thought cool is that <laughs> that is amazing and that happens pretty frequently I mean surprisingly frequently and I really do think it's just when you quiet your mind which you can't consciously do you can't consciously just make your mind go still we've tried in our classes I I, I always tell them okay close your eyes and make your mind go still. No. <laughs> it's hilarious when they're done. They're just like, I, I give them like 30 seconds just to kind of, and every time, every single time they say, oh, that was impossible. I couldn't possibly, or they'll say something like, well, I kept thinking the word still and it just, but that's a thought. Do you know what I mean? You can't, you can't make your mind have no thoughts. And so, but when you meditate, it seems to settle the thoughts a lot. Mm. And then cool things can happen. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Hey, my friends, are you looking for a meaningful Christmas gift this year? If so, you need look no further. I have a fantastic, sweet short story. I am so excited to share with you my new booklet. It's called A Broken Down Holiday. This is the story of a widowed young mother trying to travel home for the holidays soon after her husband dies and being stranded in the middle of nowhere and some of the hard things that she experiences and some of the miracles that you wouldn't think were miracles that she had happen. But it is based on a true story that happened to my mother-in-law. It's great for those friends that you're just like, what do I get them? Something simple that's under five bucks. It's a great stocking stuffer. So if you want to share this message of hope with your friends or family members, 
check it out, A Broken Down Holiday on TamaraKAnderson.com. They found that when people, they, they, they would put people, put electroencephalograms, hook, up, hook them up to their head while they're meditating. Ooh. So, and, and that measures brainwave activity. So there's like beta, alpha, theta, and delta brainwaves. And the theta and the delta brainwaves, when those are predominant, that's when we sleep. That's when we recover. That's when we're getting deep rest and our body's fixing itself, right? And then beta is like how we are now. Alpha is kind of in between, kind of a, you see it in hypnosis. You see it in, as you're falling asleep and as you're waking up, that's the predominant brainwave. Well, anyway, what they found when people were meditating, and it's the first time they ever, they had ever seen this was when people who had been meditators for a long period of time their brainwave activity went down. The predominant one was the theta and delta wow. brainwaves. And they were still awake. And they had never seen that before. That had never been seen where somebody conscious was at that deep level of that, that deep level of rest. Hmm. And so I think that's why one of the things, another interesting thing about just the meditation is they found that people who meditate have biological ages about 12 years younger than they had did a control group of same group, you know, mm -hmm. same group of people, only non-meditators. And they found that the meditators based on a lot of different physiological parameters had biological ages, 12 years younger than the non-meditators. Wow. And if you think about it, it just makes sense. The stress response is designed to be fast, you know, fight or flight. It's designed to be, and it breaks down. Every system in the body is out of balance when we are in stress. Mm. For a short period of time, that's not a big deal, but for a long period of time, it's like putting your foot on the gas pedal and putting your foot on the brake at the same time and hoping nothing bad happens. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know I mean, and so, but, but when you meditate or when you do the variety of things that we do in the class, it takes us back to normal functioning, which is a slower, more healing pace. And then in, in those times when we do need to have the explosiveness, we have that, but it shouldn't be happening all day, every day. And that's what most people, they're in that fight or flight response, chronic stress all day long. I had one student who she'd had a headache for 20 years, every oh, single day. My word. And we did a couple things in the class. No more headaches. Wow. And another lady who had fibromyalgia so badly, it hurt to wear a shirt. It was just that painful. And it was really after we taught her how to meditate. It was, I mean, we did a few things, but later in the class we did, we taught her how to meditate. And after it was over, she said, I could just feel the pain going down my arms, off my hands. I have not felt this good in I don't know how long. Wow. And, and I thought perfect examples of when the fight or flight 
fight or flight response is turned off, the body goes back into balance and a body in balance heals itself. Mm. So let me ask you this. We've talked a lot about meditation. Mm -hmm. Would you mind um, teaching my audience really quick, maybe a, a simple way that we can meditate so that uh, we can start to reap some of these benefits? <laughs> so the, the easiest one to do and one that you can do, I mean, like I said, there are there are dozens of ways to meditate. The, the word meditate simply means to focus, mm -hmm. right? Every single type of meditation involves focusing on something, whether that's a candle or a mantra or I think that's why people, when they when they're sitting by a fire, you know, at a campfire, mm -hmm. they just it's very meditative. It is just to watch that or to watch a sunset and you just watch it happen or everyone's favorite place almost everyone's by the beach where you just take in the ebb and flow of the, the sea that's very meditative and so the one that we can do right here is just simply put our awareness put our focus on our breath there's dozens of ways to breathe interestingly but this one that is very very relaxing you just put one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach, and you try to make it so your chest hand doesn't move when you inhale and exhale. Ooh. We should also breathe almost only through our nose when we're, unless we're working out or running up a flight of stairs, our, our, our breath should be in and out through our nose mostly. And so you inhale and you make it so your chest hand stays still, but your stomach hand moves out. And you don't worry so much about how fast or slow you're breathing. You focus on the depth of your breath. So you inhale, but try not to make the, the hand, the chest hand move. And then you exhale and your stomach hand moves back in. And then to add to it, you make the exhalation as slow and soft as you can make it comfortably. You don't make it uncomfortable, but like you inhale and then you exhale slowly and softly. And then you just let that rhythm ebb and flow of your breath, just follow it down and you stay the reason why you can do this anywhere is your mind will immediately and frequently wander off. And all you do is go, oh, my breath. You don't get mad at yourself because you, you're not a good focuser of your, your breath. <laughs> Just your mind wanders off to what you got going tonight. Mm -hmm. is, is, did I turn the oven off? Is the laundry done? And you just go, oh, yeah, my breath. And then you just focus on letting the exhale be as soft and slow and keep focusing. Let the inhale be natural, not hard and strong and, you know, 
you just natural inhale, but don't have you any anything up here moving. Mm -hmm. You know, your shoulders, some people breathe and they're like this even, you know. Mm -hmm. You see that on TV when, TV when somebody's really angry. They're like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So this is automatically disengaging the fight or flight response. Mm. One, by focusing on something that is not dangerous, you know, we're not, it, there's no danger in breathing. And so the body's not getting any messages, oh, I'm in danger. And that kind of breathing is the exact opposite of fight or flight breathing which is quick and shallow, right? And so you inhale and you exhale, soft and comfortable. And even as I'm doing that, I notice my shoulders kind of going, can mm. you, I don't know if you sense that. Yeah. And then as you're doing that, you can kind of go through your body and just kind of, okay, how does my face feel? Let me, eyebrows, neck, put into their natural position, relax my jaw, just kind of, move through your body and don't try to change anything except just allow it to release you know release mm. my shoulders so inhale exhale release my jaw inhale exhale how do my feet feel mm. inhale exhale you know at whatever speed's comfortable and so you can kind of we're that is a combination of two or three different what I call relaxation exercises, but you can do those anytime, anywhere, except for when you're driving. <laughs> yeah, don't do it there. <laughs> but you can still you can still focus on your breathing. I mean, I I know sometimes when I if I if I start thinking about something, I notice my hands gripping the wheel, mm -hmm. and I can immediately go relax my hands, kind of mm -hmm. thing. So, mm -hmm. so that's even, even then we say the meditation that I train people in, you never do that when you're trying. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, probably not. <laughs> but you can do, you can do this one just about anywhere. And, and it's, it's a wonderful way to just take your mind off of whatever it is that you're imagining is stressful and putting it on something that if you do it that way automatically takes you out of fight or flight and into um, rest and repair mm -hmm. wow well that that is such a powerful strategy and i love that you taught it something that people can do just while they're even listening to the podcast you know just relax Mm -hmm. Now, I do have a question. When you're breathing out, are you breathing out through your nose or through your mouth? Nose. Nose. Okay. So breathe in through the nose, breathe out through the nose super slowly. In all of the books and all the writers about who've written about breathing for general relaxation, they will all say in and out through your nose. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Time is flying because we're I feel like I'm just learning so much. <laughs> so question for you, do you have a favorite Bible verse that's become meaningful to you as you have navigated the ups and downs of your life? Yeah, I, I have to say it's a, it's a Proverbs. I, I love 
the thought, lean, lean not unto thine own understandings. And what that tells me is, because I, oftentimes I think, oh, I'm so smart. Oh, I know so much. Mm-hmm. And that reminds me, I probably know as much as an ant knows in comparison to what God knows in his omniscience. And so don't get too cocky. Don't get too, (laughs) you know, don't think you're that great. You're not. But if you turn to God and trust in his power and his love, then he'll steer you in better directions than you could have gone on your own. Mm-hmm. And that has, every time I apply that, and I, I, I think we should test all of the promises, you know, try them and see if they work. Don't just say, ah, it doesn't work mm-hmm. until you've tried it. And every time I try it, things end up a little better or a lot better than I could have planned for. Mm. And I mean, it, it just keeps happening over and over. It's been that way for years and years where every year my wife and I just say, man, this year was better than the last <laughs> every single year. And we have tough things going on, mm-hmm. but when we just keep letting go of our belief that we're superior, we can't out God, God. <laughs> Very and true. As we try, as we try to stay as humble as possible about what we think we're all about. Every time I present something anywhere, like last week I had a couple presentations, one at the Weber State LDS Institute and another one was at a company in Salt Lake. And the thing that I found, and I did the same thing when I would teach, as, when I, as I'm teaching, when I would do face-to-face classes is if I Prior to going in, if I say a prayer and I say something to the effect, God, this is your, these are your people. These are your sons and daughters. You know what's best for them. Let me be an instrument in your hands. It always goes better. Mm -hmm. It always goes better. And the times that I don't, I go, oh. I, I'll ask myself, what was wrong with that? Not 99% of the time, it's because I didn't do that at the beginning. Mm. I didn't let go of my belief that I'm the one doing this. And it's been cool because there have been times when, and you've probably had this too, where you're in the middle of a, a podcast or you're teaching a group of people. And suddenly I remember once, we were on a on a roll in a class having a conversation and suddenly I just started writing some things on the board and I went and some stuff came out of my mouth that I had never thought of before Mm -hmm. and I quickly wrote that on the board and I had somebody take a picture and "This this is cool stuff I've never thought of that before and I really do think if if I think I can do it myself, that kind of thing never happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I love what you said. You can't out God, God. <laughs> yeah. 
And God has specific messages he wants his children to hear. And he knows who's going to be in that class, just like you were saying. And um, I will tell you, that's happened to me over and over as I've been podcasting, especially when I do my own little episodes with just me speaking, that sometimes I'll be going along and I'll just get the distinct impression. Nope, don't go down that way. And I pause Mm -hmm. and I pray again because I pray before every episode. And I think, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? Because often I just need to tweak how I'm saying it or tell a story in between or something like that. But it's, it's very interesting to um, invite God mm-hmm. into that process of teaching or speaking or creating something, you know. So he, he really does care about each of us and how we learn. And he, he wants people who are listening to hear it in a way that is right for them, you know. I think you're right. I think you're right. Before we wrap up the show today, I want to invite you to tune in next week where Dr. Open will dive a little deeper and share several key practices that will decrease stress and improve your life balance. So be sure to catch that next week. Well, Dr. Open, this has been um, incredible to sit here and learn from you and hear all about um, not only your story, but also just little bits of wisdom of what we can do as we hit stressful situations to help us navigate it perhaps with more peace Mm. Uh, inviting obviously god in we talked about that but also implementing just simple strategies that when done combined with inviting god in can make a world of a difference to get us out of that fight and flight mode and help us um journey through all of life's challenges Mm -hmm. not only holding god's hand but being wise about taking care of ourselves our bodies right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i know there's going to be people who are going to say who is this guy and how can i learn more from him (laughs) because as soon as my my friend told me all about you i'm like i gotta i gotta have this guy on my show so tell me um first of all where people can find you online and where they can buy your books so i have a couple websites that i've had for for a while the one that is the easiest to get to is just michaelalpin.com so Michael and then O-L-P-I-N, one word, dot com. And that, I've kind of linked that quite a few ways to my main stress management, life management website that is stressmanagementplace.com. Mm. So that's one word, stressmanagementplace.com. And in that, I tell about, like I do individual coaching, I do group work, I do, um, I have quite all the things that we use in the stress management class and the mind-body wellness class are available on that website. And I've got a blog, I have a free newsletter you can sign up for. And then it, it just, when I decide to put, send one out, you get it for free. I'm always learning. I'm always trying to learn what's cutting edge in this world of mind-body wellness. I'm not interested in people just being okay. I want us to live at our peak levels, our optimum levels, and can we be there? It's like a bell curve. Everyone's kind of 
built around the middle. I want to be up here. Because when I'm 82, I still want to beat the tar out of my kids in pickleball and racquetball. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Let that thought motivate you, right? <laughs> Wonderful. And your books. Tell us about your books. The textbook I wrote, it's now in its fifth edition. I wrote it with somebody until this last edition. But this textbook is the one we use for my stress management class. And so it's pretty close. What well, it reads more like a self-help book or being in a classroom than it does a textbook. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a book with a guy who is with Franklin Covey, Sam Bracken. We wrote the book Unwind. Um, forgot the name of it, seven somethings. They wanted to kind seven of seven principles for a stress-free life. There you go. It's actually been translated in five languages now. Wow. I, I, I keep getting packages of a book and it's, I can't read a single word on it. <laughs> oh, the world is not a stressful place is a book that I wrote quite a while ago. And it was just, somebody told me one of my, it was actually a student. She said, you need to write a book. And so that's what came from, she, it's her fault that I wrote that <laughs> first one. But on my website, I've, sub, I've subsequently written workbooks that are better than that book um, that go into, I, like, there's one workbook called Understanding Stress, which is just the science of stress, how it works. How, how it really works rather than what they're, they're telling you it works. And then we have a workbook on preventing stress, reducing stress. And then I have an entire book on just mindfulness Ooh. that is helping us to enjoy and savor this moment. And so that's what that workbook's about. And it's really good. I, I've used it in workshops and around and in my class and everyone says that is one of the best descriptions of mindfulness and how to be mindful day-to-day moment-to-moment that they've ever read and then I have my fifth book of those workbooks is a kind of like a wellness coaching book that kind of walks you through what we do in the mind body wellness class and my wellness coaching class that focuses on how you make these behaviors more permanent. So it's not like a New Year's resolution. It becomes something that becomes a part of you as you do certain things, you know. So more like a habit. Right. If you just read them, it's kind of like a sunburn. You get a little and then it go, fades away. Unless you practice the things, it, it doesn't help a lot because we our nature is to go back to our programmed habits. Mm. And most of the time, those programmed habits don't serve us as well. And so we focus in, on, in that book on how to make these new skills and these new behaviors more permanent. So that's your normal mm -hmm. instead of your old normal. Oh, that sounds fascinating. And so those are on the stress management place website yeah you can get to it from either one okay it'll from the mike alpin michael alpin one or the 
stress management place. Wonderful. Oh my goodness. Well, I will be sure to link all these things in the show notes of today's episode so that people can find those things more easily on your website. But thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your personal stories, and then also for teaching us several tactics on on what we can do to help lower the stress in our lives and kind of live in a more normal and balanced way, because that's what's really going to help us make it through hard times with greater hope, right? I've decided, and I could be wrong in this, but I think hard times are part of the deal. Mm. Our job is to figure out how to navigate. The waves are going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. And there's no end to the waves. You know, people think, oh, when I get out of college or when I get married or when I have kids or when I grad, when I retire, then I'll be happy. Then that never happens. The waves never stop. And so, but my thinking is if I can be peaceful through that all, through all that, then I can enjoy the waves instead of have the waves clobber me. Mm. And or I can surf the waves or some, you know, some metaphor like that, but. I don't think, I don't know of anyone who doesn't have hard things. Mm-hmm. Do you? No, everyone does. Everyone does. Yeah. And so if we can be peaceful through them rather than chaotic, then we win. And everyone around us wins when we're peaceful too. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.